Thanks for watching today at wildwoodchurch.com. Now here's today's message. All right, good morning, Wildwood. Turn your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 2, verse 25 through 29. Back in our foundation series, it was awesome to be able to uh, share with you what the Lord did in my life uh, through the mission trip last week. So many of you uh, came up to me afterwards and you were inspired by, by the Lord, uh, by His work, and so I praise the Lord for that. And I hope that it is, it is, is uh, setting a spark, a blaze in your heart uh, to go across the street and around the world as every member is a missionary. As I was uh, preparing for this sermon, and, and uh, Jacob, can you reset my, uh, my clock there? I've only got 19 minutes. I don't think I can do it. All right, good deal. Um, as I was preparing for this, I uh, recalled back to my childhood, and I don't remember exactly which church it was at what point in my life, but I recall in my childhood um, seeing giving envelopes. I think we have some giving envelopes, and I, I actually regret that I didn't look at ours to make sure ours don't have these things. But uh, this is a throwback to my childhood. These were given to, uh, I think you could buy boxes of these for the whole year, and they'd be mailed to you. Uh, church wanted to make sure that everyone had their giving envelope in their home uh, every week. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, sometimes you just have to laugh at yourself. You have to laugh at your traditions. You have to laugh at the things that you did and thought were normal. But look at all the boxes to check. If you're a good Baptist, you're checking every one of those. The thing is, this is still available on the Baptist, and I'm Southern Baptist, raised, ordained, all this. Uh, this is still available for purchase on the Southern Baptist website, uh, on Lifeway website. Okay? I just want you to look at this. Okay? I, want you to think, I want you to put yourself in that situation. You know, you're getting ready for church on Sunday morning, and you pull out your weekly envelope, and think about how good it feels to check the box. Sunday school attendance, check. Bible brought. <laughs> That's a freebie for all of us today because if you brought your phone, you brought your Bible. Check. Lesson studied. Well, there's some room, there's some wiggle room on that. Okay, if you opened the lesson and, and looked at it for a couple minutes, or if as you're checking these boxes, you then remember, ah, I'm going to open my lesson now. Check. Giving. Well, I mean, we'll put something in there. We'll, I mean, quarter, dollar, $20, check, whatever it is, check. Worship attendance. All right, good. That's, that, that's, like, that's, that's everybody. Congratulations. You, have, you can check that box. Congratulations. Now, hmm, daily Bible reading and prayer. Will anyone really know? Or is anyone even going to ask if, if I did that? Probably not. Check. <laughs> Visits. Oh boy. Did you go visit some people? Did you go knock on doors? Did you visit your neighbor? Did you show up on Sunday night? You remember these? Uh, sun, show up on Sunday night about 4 p.m., Go walk the neighborhood, knock on doors, get the glance. I mean, folks, we don't do this anymore. 
because people find it weird for you to knock on their front door, right? When was the last time that someone knocked on your front door that you were not expecting? And, and you thought that was okay. You thought that was okay, right? It's just kind of weird. Check. Okay. I, I, and so I just, I thought about this. I thought, man, the, the things that, that we do to make us feel close to God. Check. You are literally checking the box of religious things. And you know what you're hoping? When you take that envelope and you put it uh, in the the black box in the back there, or as they pass the plate around, you know what you're hoping? You're hoping that Brother brother Deacon Dan is going to see that envelope and pass that on to Brother Pastor, whoever, and make sure that, that they are aware that you have checked those boxes. Am I right? I just, I just can't. I, I mean, this is a thing. It's still. And listen, you know, the intent of this is right. And, and there are people that do this, and this is a real heart check. Did I read and pray this week? Lord, you know my heart. You know that I didn't. Help me this next week. Did I care about my neighbors enough to visit them? You know that that's an area of weakness for me. Uh, You know I didn't do that. Help me to do that. Put it on my heart. to, to, to Who should I go to? Lord, you know that I'm struggling to give faithfully and cheerfully. Not legalistically, but faithfully and cheerfully. And, and this is a seed of faith. This is me stepping out saying, I don't know how you're going to provide, but I trust you. Check my heart. So it's, it's all about what? It's all about the heart. Amen? The heart is what makes it ritualistic or relationship. All right, so we can forgive the, the good Baptists at Lifeway for making this because we're just going to assume that their heart's in the right place, that this serves as a means of calling people on a weekly basis to check their heart. And maybe that's what we need to do. You know, the Jews, by the time that Paul wrote Romans, needed a heart check. Reality is that the Jews needed a heart check with Moses in the wilderness. But here's a gut check for us. The nation of Israel is basically a mirror of our individual hearts. We are so prone to be like them. We need a gut check. We need a heart check. But by the time that Paul wrote Romans, circumcision was the ritual that proved that you were loyal to God. Somewhere in the late, 2nd century B.C., 175 to 165 B.C., a Greek ruler named, uh, what's his name, Antiochus, ruled Judea. And for whatever reason, it was his intention to eradicate the Orthodox Jewish tradition, and so he ended circumcision and uh, temple sacrifice. And and you know that when you take something away from a religious person, that then becomes the thing 
that demonstrates that you're loyal to your God, right? If, if we were prevented from gathering for worship, then gathering for worship would be the thing that would demonstrate that we are sincere in our faith, right? So by the time that Paul wrote this, it was well established. There was about 200 years between when Paul wrote and, and when this uh, order went into effect of, of no circumcision. And so it had become so much central, central to the Jewish faith. I mean, this is the only thing that rabbis actually said, no, un, no circumcised man will go to hell. Circumcision was the free ticket to heaven. If you wanted to go to heaven, you were circumcised, and that was it. That, that was the thing. And Paul wanted to correct the record, I mean, you know, here's the thing. So circumcision is legitimate. I mean, it was given to us by God. Here's what Paul says in Romans 4.11 about circumcision. He, Abraham, he's referring to Abraham, received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So circumcision was a sign, a symbol to seal Abraham's righteousness that he had by faith. And what exactly are we talking about this faith? Well, it says in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, and he brought him outside, God brought Abram outside, and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Here's the promise. I'll make you a multitude of nations. I'm going to bless you. You're going to receive a reward. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Paul's going to make the, the claim here, the assertion, just as James did, that righteousness of Abraham was by faith. That it was Abraham's faith that made him righteous, and then circumcision was given as a sign of his righteousness. Well, the problem is that like any other ritual, you go through the motions, you start checking the block, and you forget the heart of the matter. Anyone relate to that? All right. Let's read here what Paul says to the Romans. Verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 25. For circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Let's pray. Father, ever since the beginning, you desired our hearts. You desired faith. You desired that we would trust you, that we would love you, that we would follow you. And in short order, we replace that with ritual. We replace that with checking the blocks. And Lord, we're no different than the Jews were 2,000 years ago. Father, forgive us. 
Open our hearts. Help us to be receptive to your word and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says, for circumcision indeed is of value. So there is value in circumcision if you obey the law. When there is consistent external and internal devotion to the Lord, there's value in that giving envelope, right? To, To the extent that it causes you to ask yourself, am I doing what the Lord wants me to do? Am I being faithful in my life? Paul says that to the extent that you obey the law, there's value in circumcision. What's the value? Well, look at Genesis twenty-two seventeen, where Moses says, God says through Moses, I will surely bless you. I'm sorry, this is God speaking to Abraham, but Moses wrote it. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. There's blessing in being the offspring of Abraham. There's advantage to being offspring of Abraham. Circumcision was a mark that Abraham and his offspring have been set aside, set apart to be God's special people. But while circumcision is symbolic of being set apart, it's not the fullness. You see, this is what we have to get through our minds. Ritual, when it, when it gets elevated to this level, becomes the fullness of our religion. Such that circumcision became the fullness of their religion. Circumcision was everything. Ritual was everything. But it's not the essence of religion. It's not the essence of the covenant that God made with Abram. Look at Deuteronomy 28.1. This, this is the warning. Now Moses is speaking to his people in the wilderness. He's laying out 400 years in captivity. Now they're being brought back together as a nation and they're entering into the promise that God has made uh, to them through Moses and uh, through Abraham. And now here is God speaking through his servant Moses. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. The, the, the circumcision was a symbol, a seal, but it wasn't the fullness, it wasn't the essence of faith. And Paul reminds them, he says, circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law. That's what, that's what God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 28. Nothing new, Paul is not changing the game goes back to Deuteronomy 28. If you will obey, you'll be blessed. You'll be set a, a, a high above the nations. Paul reminds them in verse 25, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Whoa! It's nothing! 
And this is what Moses said in, in Deuteronomy 28, 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God and be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. It's as if you were not circumcised and set apart as my special people. Now, how much of the Old Testament do you need to read before you realize that the Jews fall under the Deuteronomy 28.15 camp. They did not obey the law. They were not careful to do all that God commanded. Why? Because of sin. Because of sin. And Paul will make this point as we go into Romans chapter 3, which, by the way, we won't get to until after Advent, after the new year. But he makes the point, we've charged that all, both Jews and Gentiles alike, are under sin. So if, if you are a, if you pride yourself in your circumcision, look at how faithful I was, right? Look how faithful I was to do this thing, but you're not faithful in all of it then it's as if you didn't do the thing at all. It's worthless. It's meaningless. It says in verse 26, So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, and, and I take precepts of the law, I just go to Jesus, who lays out the precepts of the law in two commandments which are what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's commandments 1 through 4. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's commandments 5 through 10. Right? That's the precepts of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You will fulfill the law. Once again, problem is sin. Right? So, but if a man, and I think Paul is, is, is speaking hypothetically because he's going to, again, we have charged that all, both Jew and Gentile, are under sin. So I think he's speaking hypothetically. Hypothetically, if an uncircumcised person keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? In other words, won't God look at this person's life and say, though you do not have the outward marking, you have the inward marking, and therefore I receive you the way that I received Abraham? Why? Because Abraham, before he was marked externally, was marked internally. Abraham had a circumcised heart before he had circumcised flesh. Verse 27, Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. In other words, you who have been raised up in this tradition, you've been taught it, it's been, it's been uh, declared over you your whole life, you have the, the physical markings, you, you've done the ritual thing, this other person will rise up 
and condemn you. Now, it's not that, that Paul is saying that, that this man will sit in judgment because it doesn't matter who judges you except God. Amen? But rather, this man will be exhibit A. Do you see what I was really looking for? A heart that beats from my heart. A heart after my own heart. Do you see? This is exhibit A of what you could and should have been. This is what I was looking for. This person that didn't have the law, that doesn't have circumcision, but loves me with all of his heart and loves his neighbor as himself, keeps the precepts of the law, exhibit A. Evidence against you who have the written code, who have the mark of the flesh, that you were not who you were supposed to be. You ever... You ever so my, my family is more into sports than I had initially thought we would be. And I, I got the glorious joy of spending the day yesterday and Friday at a basketball tournament. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Father, you are so good. That's the thing I'm thanking him for this morning. And uh, I really do. I did enjoy it. But you, you, you look out. So my, my, my mind is kind of in the sports realm. And you put some athletes on the court, and, and you quickly begin to determine who has passion, who wants it, who wants the win. And we told our daughter all, over and over again, because she's new to this, we said, it's not the person that is most skilled that is going to win the game. It's the person that wants it most, that tries hardest. And all you have to do is put, put someone out there that's that is skilled but presumptuous and arrogant and cocky and watch them get trounced by someone who really wants it. Now, are there exceptions? Of course there's exceptions, right? But generally speaking, the team, the player that wants it, that has the passion inside their heart is the one that's going to excel over against the one who is only skilled. Am I right in that? Sports fans? Sports ball fans? Okay? In the same way, you put two people side by side, one person has done the things, the other person loves the Lord, and it becomes obvious. You put two people, two religious people side by side, the one person has done the things, the other person loves the Lord, and it becomes obvious. It's as clear as day. I know that you love the Lord because it flavors everything in your life. I know that you just do the things. Because that's all, you just do the things. You just check the blocks. And it's compartmentalized, and it's over here, and it's safe and comfortable. And there's no obedience, and there's no power over sin. There's no passion in worship. You just do the things. You just check the blocks. It becomes obvious. And the person who loves the Lord is going to be evidence against the person who does the things. Paul says in verse 28 and 29, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. So we have nominal Christians, and Paul was dealing with nominal Jews. The church is rife with nominal Christians, people who check the block, people who think that 
by coming into worship, by giving an offering, by studying a lesson, that they have fulfilled what the Lord wants of them. They've done the things. And I think it's obvious what we would, what we would replace or substitute for circumcision, the one ritual that, that connects the people uh, of God to his people, a person to the people of God, for the Jews was circumcision. For us, it is baptism. I don't know how many times I had someone, I heard someone say, and I'm probably, I'm sure they said it to me too, um, write that baptism date at the front of your Bible. Let me see if mine has that. Maybe your Bible has it. Date baptized. I got deaths, marriages, births, adoptions. No baptism date. Praise the Lord. And in some of your Bibles, you might actually have a, a line that says date baptized. And I had, man, I, I love his heart. And he was a good old boy and, and uh, a good Baptist. And he would tell people, make sure you write the date of your baptism in the front of your Bible so that, <laughs> careful, someone says, so that when you begin to doubt whether you're saved or not, that you can open your Bible and look at a date in which you did a thing and you can be assured that you are saved. The heart's there. That's not right. How do you know that you're saved? Because you love Jesus. Not that you loved Jesus at one point in your life, or the idea of Jesus, but that you love Jesus and you believe the gospel today. And I wonder how many people have been deceived. They, it, the heart was right, but they were deceived because what was happening is, what they would say is when the enemy tries to sow seeds of doubt in your life, that you can go back to your salvation, but that's not what the, uh, to, the to your baptism. But that's not what the Bible says. Instead, I think what was happening is that the Holy Spirit is convicting people that they're not saved, and rather than going back to the Bible and saying, "Let's work out our faith with fear and trembling." Let, let me see if I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, because if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're not in Christ, Paul says. So rather than doing a heart check, we do a Bible check. We do a, a date check. We do a, a ritual check. Did I do the thing, and so am I good? That's exactly the heart of the Jews in Paul's day. And not to be crass, but they did not have to check their Bibles. They just needed to look down. I'm good. I'm in. Well-meaning rabbis literally taught that if your flesh is circumcised, you cannot go to hell. And folks, well-meaning pastors and deacons and elders and Sunday school teachers teach that if you got your hair wet, you cannot go to hell. Because you did a thing. 
Check your heart. Paul was dealing with nominal Jews. We're dealing with nominal Christians. These people look the part externally. It, it, it appears as if they are loyal to the Lord, that they're part of God's people. But real circumcision that counts has always been a circumcised heart, not flesh. Look at what Deuteronomy 10.16 says. This, uh, this is thousands of years before Paul. Okay? This is firmly established. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Be no longer rebellious. Circumcise your heart. Jeremiah 4, 4 says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Now, 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 what is he asking us to cut away? Remove the foreskin of your hearts. Folks, it was always about your heart. For Abraham, for Moses, for the Israelites, for all the prophets, it was always the heart, never just the flesh. For nominal Jews, for nominal Christians, the issue is the letter of the law. This religion, faith, is all about following rules. Do the things and don't do the things. Do the right things and don't do the wrong things and follow the law and follow the letter. And folks, how good does it feel to follow the law? At least the parts that you don't ignore. Because that's what we do, right? The parts that we can't follow, what do we do? We ignore them. And we double emphasize something else. So it's like, I don't know, here's a spontaneous, I could get in trouble for this. It's like Thanksgiving meal is coming up, okay? And I'm going to gorge myself on all the pies and all the sweets, but I'm going to drink Diet Coke. And it's all good. Right? Balance. Hey, feast yourself with Thanksgiving. God bless you. But it's funny when it's a Thanksgiving meal. It's not funny when this is our spiritual life. Amen? I'm going to ignore these rules because I can't possibly keep them. I'm going to double down on these rules, and they should balance out. And it feels so good to check the blocks. I remember being baptized as a teenager. You guys are getting a lot of free chicken here. You owe me some. When I was baptized as a teenager, you know, I, I, I destroyed all my secular CDs. I threw those away. And then I got that, that, red, that, that uh, gospel bead uh, bracelet. Anybody? The gospel bead bracelet, right? If you were a good Baptist, you had one, and you wore it, and you didn't take it off. It was a leather strap. It had five beads, red, black, white, green, green and yellow, something like that. Okay, they, they kind of preach the gospel in, in beads. And so you wore that, now what do you wear? If you're really righteous, what do you wear? WWJD. That's a little bit outdated, but I think it's actually coming back in. <laughs> but I wore the beaded, I wore the be and then I had the graphic tees, Lord's Gym, Jesus put, doing push-ups with a cross. You remember that? <laughs> All right. 
because I, because I did the things. Like, that was me. This is who I am. I'm doing the things. But pornography, meh, that's all right. I, I'm going to double down on the T-shirts, right? Doing things I shouldn't do with my girlfriend, not a problem because I have the bracelet. The Lord has always been about the heart, not about doing the things. Paul says, a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. How is it that a person goes from being ritual and being a nominal Jew or Christian to being a real Jew or Christian? Jesus. Specifically, the Spirit. The Spirit of God. You cannot worship the Father in spirit and truth without being born again by the Spirit of God. It's not about being good enough. It's not about doing the things. It is about a living relationship with the Father made possible by the Spirit. This causes me to think about Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. But before we get there, let's read Ezekiel 33. I'm going to turn here to Ezekiel. You can follow me there if you want to. Ezekiel chapter 33. I think I've got it up there too, but I might want to reference it. Ezekiel 33, 31 and 32. So this is, this is 20, almost 2,600 years ago. These words were written about religious people. And I just want you to see how well this is aged, how, how timely it is, how the words of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun, ring true. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. So this is God speaking to his prophet Ezekiel about his people. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. Ezekiel was prophesying, was speaking, was preaching, was leading the people of God 2,600 years ago. And God reveals to him your people, they, they talk a good game. They walk around thinking, let's go hear what the Lord says. Let's gather together and hear what the Lord says through the prophets. But they will not do what you say. They claim to want to hear from the Lord. But they don't do what the Lord says. Folks, has anything changed? in 2,600 years. We need the Holy Spirit to make us alive. It is not about doing more things. It is about being alive in Christ. Listen to what God prophesied through Ezekiel in chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. 
God says to Ezekiel, and I will give you a new heart. So he's, he's prophesying to the people of Israel who are suffering. They've been, it, the northern kingdom has already fallen to Samaria, and now the, uh, the, uh, now the southern kingdom is either about to fall or has fallen. It was, it was, it was Assyria and then Babylon. Assyria took the northern kingdom and Babylon, I believe, has already taken the southern kingdom captive. They're displaced from their home. They're not able to worship the way they uh, want to worship, what they've known for their whole lives. And this is what God says to them, and I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in or within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is the heart of God for his people. I will put my spirit in you. You can't do this on your own. You can't be faithful on your own. You need the Holy Spirit of God to dwell within you. And you need that heart of stone to be replaced with a heart of flesh. And as I was preparing this, the Lord brought to my mind the vision, the valley of dry bones, where the Ezekiel is brought out in the Spirit of the Lord and set down in the middle of the valley. This is 37, verse 1, full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. We are living in the fulfillment of the vision of the valley of dry bones. When Jesus came, he said to us, before, before he ascended, he said to his disciples, It's better that I leave so that I can send the Spirit, to be with you. It's more advantage to you that I go and send the Spirit of God. Why? So that He can indwell the life of every Christian. Jesus was constrained by, He constrained Himself to time and space. The Holy Spirit does not. We are living in the fulfillment. God is calling out valley of dry bones, come alive. The very first song that I chose when I interviewed with this church, the very first song that I selected in worship almost six years ago on January, I think it was January 2nd, I said we should do Come Alive. We should sing Come Alive because I sense that the Lord wants to call dry bones to life. I sense that that the Lord wants, desires Wildwood to come alive. And, and over the last several weeks, as I prayed through my mission trip and, and went over expecting 
to hear from the Lord and to, to see what he wants me to see and to come away with what he wants me to come away with. That was, a, 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 once again, a theme in my own devotion to the Lord was come alive, Wildwood. Hear the word of the Lord. and Come alive. It is not about you doing more things for the Lord. It is about you being led by the Holy Spirit of God, walking in devotion to Him with circumcised hearts. Wild would come alive. Come alive. Father, I'm asking that you would replace hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. That you would bless your people, that you would cause them to come alive. That this would not be about rules and rituals, but this would be about a loving relationship with our Father in heaven, made possible by His Son, Jesus Christ, and His death on the cross. Spirit, I pray that you would move in us and through us and cause dry bones to come alive. Wildwood, do you agree? Father, thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching online. I hope that this message has inspired you to greater faith, has encouraged you, maybe convicted or challenged you. We're grateful to be able to provide this content to you online, live and on demand. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube so that we can get this content right to you as soon as we upload it. But you know, we believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you need the body of Christ. You need the local church. And so if you're in the Quad Cities, let me invite you to personally join us in person for our gatherings on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. If you're not in the Quad Cities, I want to encourage you to go find a local church that teaches the Bible, that serves the community, that loves Jesus, that gives grace. Well, hey, thanks again for watching, and we hope that you were blessed.